Welcome to Vision Drip, a podcast designed to give you a steady drip of our vision, mission, and DNA to establish and refine the gospel culture at Sacred City Church. I'm your host, Pastor Sam Schmidt, church planter and pastor of Sacred City Church in Moline, Illinois. I am so excited to have you with me as I hope this podcast helps to equip you as a disciple of Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life as we set out to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. Not only do I hope that this podcast helps you grow, but it would grow your affections for Jesus. So let's dive into this episode of Sacred City Vision Drill. Welcome, boys and ghouls, to another episode of Sacred City Vision Drip. And of course, that Halloween pun comes to you because at the end of this week, it is Halloween. Kids are getting their costumes all figured out, what they're going to be. You know, it's always kind of an ordeal. I'm kind of like, my mentality when it comes to this is like the least impact. You know, what what kind of cute costume can we put together that requires the least amount of work and so this year has mostly entailed giving somebody money to to allow us to walk away with a uh halloween costume for our kids so but they love it you know who wouldn't love it it's a uh it's a holiday where you get a bunch of free candy um you know go from door to door meet your neighbors all that stuff and you get free candy who wouldn't want that right well depending on what kind of Christian circles you find yourself in, you might not think so fondly about Halloween. And, and it really has to do with some of the origin of Halloween, what it stands for and all that stuff. It's so dark and mysterious and eerie and haunted. What do we do with that? Right. Is this a, a demonic holiday? And, um, and so I just wanted to take a little bit of time and talk about this because uh, to let the cat out of the bag, I think mi- Halloween is an incredible, incredible missional opportunity, and I want to tell you why. But before we get there, I, I kind of want to work through this a little bit, maybe give you a little bit of history of Halloween, save you the Google search, uh, and and just give it right here to your earbuds. Um, actually, this is from history.com, so I don't know, maybe a little bit more reputable than um, than the old Wikipedia but uh, give you a little bit of background on what you know where Halloween came from. Talk about it a little bit, but then, then really the question is, you know, coming out of out of the Sunday, um, the text that we looked at on Sunday morning, um, Matthew chapter five, verses thirteen through sixteen, when Jesus says to his disciples, "You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world." Now, how does that apply in the midst of Halloween? How does that that apply to this specific moment in time? And, uh, and, and one of the things that I, I talked about in my sermon was the fact that in order for light to do what it's meant to do, it has to touch the darkness, right? In order for salt to do what it's meant to do, it has to touch the food that it's meant to flavorify. And so uh, just thinking through that, like if we are salt, if we are light and we are meant to enhance the qualities of the world that we live in, um, what does that look like specifically in regards to Halloween? I, I think I think it's really important to understand. Now, 
how the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and discernment on how to interact with culture. Like there, there's, you know, we don't just adopt everything that, that the culture throws at us. We don't reject everything the culture throws at us. Um, it, the, the Holy Spirit helps us sort of navigate, like what is, what is within the bounds of Christian liberty? What is something that I need to maybe refrain from participating in or, or doing myself? Um, and then there's a third category that I want to get into. So I think one of the things, and, and Pastor Justin talked about this, I don't know, probably a couple, maybe a month ago um, in the Sacred City Life podcast about how Christians, three ways that Christians interact with culture. Um, we either receive it, reject it, or redeem it. We either receive, reject, or redeem culture and its practices. Now, now, what exactly does that mean? So to receive what the culture has, it means that we can look at, at whatever it is um, and say, actually, there's there's a lot of good here. There's, I mean, there's like, this is good. So like we can say, well, the culture, you know, ha- has a, a high regard for, say, education. Well, great. You know, I mean, like when you get into the nuts and bolts of it, Christians might have some disagreements about what what this all looks like. But the concept, just the overall, it's a good thing to be educated. It's a good thing to to have knowledge and wisdom. And so we can look at the the idea of man, we want to be well informed. We want to be educated. We want to, uh, you know, sort of cultivate an appreciation for for God's creation and everything that's in it, um, and, and sort of understand what there is to understand about this world. So that's a good thing that we can receive. Education, just in general, we should want as Christians to be educated. In fact, that there's a lot of biblical support for that, which is why we can receive this idea. Now, there's going to be things in the culture that are going on that Christians due to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, due to, uh, the, the, the way of Jesus that we are, are meant to follow, that we would say, now that's something that I cannot, I absolutely cannot participate in. And, and these are, I mean, like, so we would reject it. So this, think of like, you know, um, prostitution or pornography. That would be something that like, that is an irredeemable, there's nothing that that sees to human flourishing and, and the advance of grace in that sense. Um, that's worth embracing. So we would say this is evil, this is irredeemable, and so we reject it. Now, there's going to be other things that come across our plate, our table, our our, um, our lives that, you know, maybe it's not all good, maybe it's not all bad, there's, there's some good there, you know, but clearly it has its weaknesses, it's got its temptations, it has um, some sort of idolatries maybe woven into that if you're not careful. And so we could say as Christians, we, we look at that and say, well, this is redeemable. Um, you know, like for example, I love me some Oakland Raiders. I love football. I love the NFL. I love watching it when I get done preaching on Sundays. And, um, I realized that if all I did was watch football, if I obsessed about it, I would invest a lot of money and a lot of time uh, a lot of my emotional stability would rise and fall based on this silly game of, of football. Um, but th- I can still have an appreciation for it. It's, you know, it's sport, athleticism, seeing humans, you know, like literally some of the most athletic human beings do stuff that very few other people could possibly do. And so there's something that that's, you know, that's good about it. You see just like, you know, the strategy, the, the, the spectatorship of it, the, you know, the, the fanfare of it, it's, it, it, you know, it can be kind of innocent, but it, if you let it go too far, it's something that, um, 
you know, could really take over your life quite, quite quickly. And so that's something that as Christians, we'd look at it. Now that's a silly, a silly thing to kind of put under the microscope, I guess. But, um, but we can look at it and say, well, there's some good, there's some bad. Um, let's take part, the parts that are good, um, and, and embrace that. And the par- parts that are bad, um, we can reject that. And, 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 and really what the Christian worldview offers is the ability to improve, uh, what is good about whatever culture presents before us, right? So we can we can point to, you know, the the true and better meaning or substance of you know what, what that thing is that it points to, and 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 so as we look at Halloween, well, the question is what what did what should Christians do with this, right? Do we receive this? Do we reject it? Do we redeem it? Now, in order to understand, I don't know, to to have a a really good working of what Halloween is and what it's about and really to make an educated, um, an educated, uh, decision on the matter. I think it, it helps to have a little bit of understanding about the origins of Halloween. Okay. Cause one of the things that you'll hear people say, Oh, this is just a pagan holiday. We're worshiping demons or we're, we're, you know, dabbling with the dead and the, the, um, you know, the, the ghost and the spiritual realm that we really probably shouldn't be messing around with. And so like, why would we, why would Christians possibly think about even partake? Like, why would you let your kids go out in a costume? Right. Cause they're just, apparently they're just worshiping the devil. You know, I, I don't think anybody would really say that, but you know, there's some sentiment there. And so let's just talk through a little bit. The origins of Halloween, where, where did it come from? Well, uh, it wasn't always called Halloween. In fact, it was called um, Sam Samhain. I think is how you say it. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't actually get a really good Google word translate there. But Samhain, and it was a, a pagan religious festival that originated um, and from ancient Celtic traditions, and it was a celebration that. Um, where they welcomed in the new season, right? The harvest season. Um, and they would sort of note the transition from, um, the light half of the year to the dark half of the year. So like we can, we live in the Midwest. Um, and so, you know, we got daylight savings time. We know that, you know, come September, October, November, December, the days are getting shorter. Um, and and darkness seems to be longer, which is true. You know, there's more hours of darkness here in the fall into the winter. And so they're, they're sort of celebrating this, um, you know, this festival as part of that, but there was also an aspect of it that was, that did have this sort of pagan spiritual interaction with the dead. So they would, you know, they'd gather around bonfires as part of their celebration. They'd wear costumes to ward off the demons or the ghosts who might have passed through the portal that they believed to had opened around this time of year, um, the portal to the other world. And so, so that's basically where the costume idea comes from, right? Okay, so they, but you think about it, how silly is that? You think, you know, if, if there really is a portal being opened up to the other world and there, there are demons and ghosts and whatever coming through, and you think you can scare those guys away with a bunch of costumes? How ridiculous. Come on, guys. Get it together. But also part of this whole thing, you know, with the celebration, they would, uh, they would carve turnips you know, and make what's called a jack-o'-lantern. Right now we carve pumpkins because, you know, they're bigger and they're cooler looking. Um, and so they'd gather around the bonfires. They'd have this big party time, family, friends getting together. Um, 
they play games. Now, these games are just stupid, honestly. Like, this is a good way to burn your house down. They would take burning embers of wood and throw them at each other or, or set off fireworks at one another. Uh, just silly stuff. Um, using noisemakers, all kinds. So it just sounds like a big party, you know. Um, now, this was going on for a long time. And as Christianity gained cultural influence, they saw, okay, they saw it for what it was. It's a pagan celebration. They're worshiping some, or, you know, they're having some sort of interaction with the dead. And, you know, they're like, I don't think this is actually really helpful for, you know, for Christians uh, to participate in. And so um, what happened was as Christianity gained cultural influence, they, they reframed this pagan celebration um, into a Christian celebration. So they, they saw the good of this celebration, right? The, the, the aspects or the elements of the celebration that weren't necessarily evil, not, not necessarily, you know, spiritually, you know, um, questionable, so to say, so to speak. Um, and they saw like the good stuff about it. So we got families that are gathering together. We're celebrating the harvest that's coming in. Um, let's see what else they, they talked about the seasons changing, playing fun and games, they're eating, they're drinking, they're just having a good time. So they like, all of those things are, there's no problem with that. Christians should say, yeah, of course we ought to enjoy gathering together and acknowledge the seasons as they change and celebrate with good food, food and games and fun. Now what happened was in the fifth century, the Pope tried moving the date to sort of detach, um, this pagan holiday, um, so that he moved it the date to, I think it was in May, maybe, um, so maybe in the spring, but trying to detach it from the, the pagan holiday and declared it as a celebration of the saints and martyrs. Okay. So here he is. All right. So they're like, okay, you guys want to celebrate spiritual things and, and, and spiritual beings. Well, actually let's celebrate the martyrs, the people who gave them their lives up for the sake of Jesus, the people who have gone before us that have passed to the other side, that they're, they're with Jesus right now. And we just celebrate their legacy. Okay. So, so that they're kind of here thinking in the realm of redeem it. Now in the ninth century, the Pope Gregory, well, the Pope Gregory, Pope Gregory, uh, moved this holiday back to the fall season. So it landed, I think initially it was like, um, I don't exactly know the first dates, but here he declared November 1st, All Saints Day. November 2nd became All Souls Day. So it was kind of like a, I don't know, like you call it a weekend of celebrating dead people. Um, and so, uh, and this is where we get um, what we call Halloween. So October 31st becomes known as All Hallows Eve, which is where we get the name Halloween, right? Because hollow, like just as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Hallowed be your name um, for the, you know, as sort of a tip of the hat to those saints and those martyrs who have gone before. So it's a celebration of those who have gone before uh, us in the faith, those who have laid down their life for the sake of Jesus, those who have lived and left a legacy of faith. And so it's sort of a celebration of the faithful, uh, those who are faithful to Jesus. And so we can see kind of how this redeeming thing happened um, in, in the midst of the ninth century. Now, there was also some other stuff, activities that went on because, you know, with, with this, a lot of, they, they kept the activities, um, the good things about the whole, you know, the initial pagan thing. They kind of cut out the, the mumbo jumbo spirituality stuff and just said, hey, we just want to get together, have a good time, celebrate, maybe have a bonfire, um, all this stuff. And so 
that still went on now, but there was one thing that, you know, where do we get trick or treating from? Cause that's a big part of Halloween these days. Um, uh, well, trick or treating was, uh, it's an evolution of where, where kids, people would go and they would, um, it was called miming, I believe, or miming. I don't know exactly. And they go from door to door in costume and they would sing the songs of the dead. I have no idea what those songs were exactly. Uh, but this is, and then they would go to the door and people would either give them, you know, tr- they would say trick or treat. I think, I don't know, maybe they didn't say it, but you know, the idea was that they would get a cake or something. They'd get a little goodie, um, as payment for coming to sing the song. And, uh, I think this, and then if, if, um, if you didn't give them cake, well, they might pull a prank on you, right? That's where you get the trick aspect and they blame it on the fairies. Okay. So I don't, you know, trick or treat. That may not have completely be been emptied of its sort of, uh, you know, devilish intentions. You know, we can we can argue about that a little bit. But here's the thing: something something else very important, um, especially for us reformed folks, happened um, on Halloween, on All Hallows Eve, and in 1517, Martin Luther, uh, who was the igniter of the Reformation, nailed his 95 theses up on the Wittenberg door on this evening. And so for us, you know, I mean, it's fun to take your kids out, but really the really meaningful thing about Halloween is the fact that the revolution got sparked that night as Luther kind of took that bold step forward and, you know, nailed that up on the the door. Um, and so, okay, so where does that leave us now? Well, we, Halloween, basically, essentially, modern, typical Halloween, um, essentially entails kids who are dressed up as co- in costumes. Now, you know, some of them might be kind of sinister. You know, they got a little bit of a vibe of the dark arts or something. But for the most part, you see the kids walking around and they're dressed up like a bumblebee or superhero or their favorite video game, you know, dressed up like an uh, an athlete or, you know, they, there's all kinds of like pretty, you know, Non-scary, non-intimidating, uh, mild would be a good way to say it. Mild costumes where they're just, you know, they're doing, you know, it's it's no different than them playing dress up in, in the house. You know, they just get to wear their favorite costume out and get candy for doing so. So they wear these costumes. They're getting candy. They go knock on people's doors. They say trick or treat. But, you know, unless you're like a really angsty middle school kid, I don't, I've never seen anybody do it, the trick part. It's just like. You know, you just give them a little bit of candy and they're on their way. It's fine. But then here's the other part is like, you know, Halloween is a great time to throw a party. So you get bonfires, hanging out with friends and family. And, you know, we call it a Halloween party. People wear costumes and stuff like that. But, you know, none of the original stuff as far as like nobody's wearing a costume thinking that they're going to have to scare out a demon that night. You know, that would be crazy. Uh, and that's a party that I quite frankly don't want to go to. Um, you know, so it's like, you know, the aspects of it, the bonfire, the party, the hanging out, the food, you know, we carve pumpkins now. Um, you know, you put up cheap decorations on your porch. It's like, you know, everything about this is like, the only part about it is the history that seems to be quite concerning. Everything else is, is not, you know, not really concerning because you can do any of that stuff at any other day in the year and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. I mean, I don't know if any, you go to the door and say trick or treat on uh, on like April 3rd and, and anybody's going to give you candy or anything like that. They might look at you funny, but you could do it. It wouldn't be anything crazy about it. I mean, a little bit crazy, but nothing like absurd. So 
if this is basically what a modern Halloween has b- boiled down to, kids in cute costumes, getting candy, hanging out with friends, you know, I don't know, if you get real crazy, this is not for me. And and I would like to say I have theological reasons to back this up, but I don't, I'm just kind of a sissy. Halloween, you know, the, the haunted houses, the scary movies, just not for me. I don't like that because, you know, I just don't want to go there. Um, so anyway, if... Modern Halloween has been boiled down to this really simple, really uh, quite harmless in some senses. Um, what should Christians do with this? Do we, do we receive it? Do we reject it? Do we redeem it? Um, well, first of all, according to, like culturally, this just kind of gets wild. You know, I don't, if you make your life about Halloween, there's way better holidays to celebrate and to get excited about. But I mean, like something especially with with the origin story of just receiving halloween as it is it's so we've already seen some of how that's been the the redeeming has been happening in the 5th century the ninth century um luther with the 95 theses uh we've seen a little bit of how this redeeming is happening so if we go back to the original version of halloween well we say absolutely not we cannot receive this because of course it's a pagan holiday. It's a pay, it's celebrating, you know, the spirits, it's, you know, we, there's no biblical command for us to celebrate the spirits or anything of that nature, or even mess around with them. Um, so there's, there's that we, we're not going to receive it. Clearly when we say Jesus is Lord, um, then we're not going to go participate in some other pagan religions, religious ceremony. So then does it mean we reject it? We say absolutely, uh, you know, like, um, no way, Jose, that that's not going to fly because of its, its story, its history, its origin. Uh, we just drop the ax on Halloween altogether. Now I'll, I'll, let me, let me put this one caveat here. Cause I would, I would want to say no, and I'm going to tell you why no, but if you are one of the few people in the quad cities or the world that has like a, a background in pagan religion in like Wicca or I don't even know what else is out there, but like something where you're practicing some version of witchcraft. If dealing with this sort of like dark spiritual type stuff is tempting, it's, you know, like a gateway to get back into that. It might be wise for you to just withhold your participation, you know? So that, that might be the one caveat where I say, okay, don't, you know, if your conscience is telling you not to do it, the Holy Spirit's telling you not to participate in it because of, you know, you, you it's sort of something that it's a, uh, it's an open wound. It's something that you've been struggling with or, you know, ha- have had to deal with, then perhaps you shouldn't participate. Okay. Um, but for the vast majority of us, I, you know, especially Christians, um, I don't think we have to completely drop the ax on Halloween. Um, you have freedom in Christ to both participate and not participate if you, if you choose not to. Um, and, and if, if that's your story, right, you got a background and it might be wise to talk through some of this with your missional community, your fight club, people who you can trust and say, Hey, this is my tendency. This is my background. What do you guys think about it? Like, I don't know. But even then it's, modern Halloween is far from any sort of sort of version of witchcraft. Um, and so I would say as Christians, um, we can 
redeem Halloween. There's a lot of Halloween that is redeemable. Um, and, and some of that stuff you see from the 5th and the ninth centuries, family, fun, games, bonfire. Um, we can participate in that, giving out candy, dressing up, doing all that goofy stuff. Um, and we can participate in those activities not in a way where we our consciences don't feel violated because like as it stands, none of those, you know, like modern Halloween is not really affiliated with uh, with the original pagan holiday, except for the fact that it lands close to the same time. And so much Christian work has gone into redeeming it and changing the narrative on it a little bit. So, so I think here as Christians, we can redeem this. We can, we can enjoy this. We can, um, participate in the, the festivities of Halloween. But I think that as Christians, we go about this differently. Okay. So if we are family, um, you know, we talk about identities and rhythms at Sacred City. If we're family, missionary servants, learners, I, w- I want to lean into uh, the first two that we're family. Um, so if we're going to celebrate Halloween, um, I should probably, you know, like if I'm going to do Halloweeny stuff, I should, you know, I could invite my missional community family into this. Um, whether we're having a party, um, going trick or treating together, whatever it might be, it's just like I, I get to share this this time, this fun time together uh, with my families. Um, and so that, that, and the other aspect of it is to thinking of it as a missionary. If I'm going to be, you know, like who can I invite in, uh, to either go trick or treating with us or invite over for a party, um, that, you know, just to give them some exposure to some of my church family and to, you know, include them in my life in, in a, in a fun and enjoyable way. And so I think that, that we approach this as, as, um, missionaries, as family. Um, and so it's just great. It's a great time to have fun. Now, I think I want to give you some really practical things here as I wrap this up. I think that part of the really cool thing about Halloween is that um, no other day in the year do you have a large amount of your neighbors knocking on your door, coming to say hi. And so it's an incredible missional opportunity that if you, if there are people in your, in your community that you don't yet know, like, why wouldn't you hand out candy? Why wouldn't you want to meet the kids in your neighborhood and, and be known as the guy who gives out, you know, full size candy bars or has the good candy or the people who throw a party each year. I think there's such a, a missional uh, opportunity here for us that you, you can, you know, participate in a way where it's like you, you are viewed as adding value to the community, which, you know, we're just talking about some pieces of candy here. But it goes a long ways. Now, I think there's a couple other ways that you can add value to your community. As kids come up and they're coming to say trick or treat, you can just sort of like take a minute to dote on their costumes. Tell them how impressed you are with with their costume, how cool they look, right? Be affirming of them, encouraging of them. And it's such a silly thing to give encouragement about. But, you know, like in that moment, you might become like you might have uh, previously been viewed as the grumpy person with, that really cared about their lawn. And now, you know, you're being kind and sweet and, and people are maybe drawn to you a little bit more than they were before. How, how great of an opportunity is that? Um, another thing, you know, you, you think about the kids. Well, think about the parents. Mom and dads, they're walking through the cold, you know, and, and they're left, you know, at the end of the night, they're stealing candy, but they don't get their own bag of candy. Like, what kind of things can you do that might acknowledge uh, the parents? Now, I think just, first of all, acknowledging the parents and saying hi to them as they come up, um, you know, little small talk conversation might go a long way. You know, 
if you got a busy door, I don't know if you can small talk with everybody, but you can at least ask, like, you know, how's it been? You know, a lot of people out tonight, staying warm, stuff like that. I don't need to tell you how, how, to, have a, how, to, how to have a conversation. Apparently, I need you to tell me because I keep stuttering. Um, but you, you can just think of the parents. But, but there's also a way to, like, have, you know, do something more than just candy. Now, I, th- I think it's worthwhile to have, like, great candy. Um, you know, get rid of that candy corn and, you know, nobody wants Tootsie Rolls. Get the good stuff, guys. Come on. Don't don't be cheap about it. Get the good stuff. Give the kids good candy. Um, so, but you can also do stuff that goes beyond ca- candy. Have like a little bonfire or if you got one of those outdoor heaters, put that out so people can come and warm up a little bit as they get their stuff. Do hot cocoa. We've done hot cocoa in the past. We did an apple cider, you know, warm apple cider. Um, hot dogs. We've got missional communities that, you know, they give out hot dogs or nachos or, you know, there's just all kinds of stuff that you can do where you're blessing somebody by handing them out food or whatever. Cause most of the time people just ro- get off work, take their kids out and then they don't eat. And, well, what they end up eating is just all of their, you know, all their kids candy. Uh, but you can bless them by giving them food or hot cocoa or whatever it might be. Um, and even better, like find a way to get them to stick around for a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, have like, have a little game or you have to play this game to get your candy or, you know, have like some sort of prize. Um, if you can get people to stick around and, and get to know them a little bit find out where they live and hear a little bit about their story and stuff, like you might build some really meaningful connections, um, some, some relationships with people in your neighborhood that just start, you know, in a, in a two minute conversation and that could go quite a long ways. Um, and so like in that time, if, if you do get somebody to stick around, um, be a good conversationalist, you know, learn, learn some of their story, find out what they do for a living or what gets them excited and stuff like that. And just sort, sort of get to know them. Um, and then, you know, the, you just, if you're not going to host something at your house, you always have the option of like going out with your kids. Cause your kids want candy too. Um, going out with your kids and like be the one who engages, like don't just be the parent who stands at the sidewalk um, get up close and say hi, and if it's a if it's appropriate, introduce yourself and say, "Hey, we just lived right down the block," you know. And so um, it's just a cool way for us to kind of get some exposure to meet our neighbors, um, to uh, you know add value to our communities and uh, bless our neighbors. I think it's such a such an incredible missional opportunity, especially if you you know put a little get together thing together. I, we had some neighbors um, down the block from us that their house was always bumping. We, we don't live, they live right on, on a pretty busy intersection. We're kind of off a block or so. And, um, but they'd always have hot dogs and they get all kinds of people that would just come hang out in their front yard. You know, when we're down the block and we got hot chocolate, but nobody knows it. Nobody wants it. Cause you know, they already hit up the cool house. So be the ones who have the cool house, right? Throw out the bonfire, go, go in on it a little bit, um, and have a good time because at the end of the day, there's so much, uh, so much we have with Christian liberty that we can participate in, especially when we look at Halloween and see some of the value of just being together with friends, eating good food, having fun time, right? Um, now, again, if people are going to bust out a Ouija board or something or, you know, get the colder now, they're going to start making some sort of potion, uh, you know, some sort of demonic incantations. You need to get the heck out of there. But I guarantee you, I can't guarantee it, but I would say it's highly likely that nothing like that is going to happen. And so we can go into that and we can enjoy um, these these Halloween celebrations, have our kids have a good time, um, and, and just really make the most of this incredible missional opportunity where people are coming up to you, people are coming to your door. And so um, 
be uh be intentional make the most of it uh find ways to bless your neighbors do it with your missional community that's some been some of the the best parts that we've had when when we have a little party with our missional community and we got people around and willing to help us out to serve people it's it's just it's just fun to do it you can do it two birds one stone be together as a church family and also be on mission together in this neighborhood so some things for you to think about. I hope that uh, you make the most of this Halloween season. Uh, you guys stay safe out there. Uh, and I hope that your kids look cute. I can't wait to see some of these photos that I'm sure you'll post. Um, but that's all I got. We're talking about redeeming Halloween. I think this is something that we ought to do as missionaries in our city. So hopefully, if you got some great ideas, let's uh, share them with each other. You can post it up on Realm. Um, tell people what you're doing for Halloween, if you guys got a good idea, or if it's something that you can invite somebody else in to help you with. Sometimes it's, you know, teamwork makes a dream work. So uh, that's it for this episode of Vision Drift. I hope this helps you think strategically as a missionary placed here by God in this city for such a time as this. I love you guys. Have a great rest of your week. See you later.